Welcome back to Due South. Comedian Roy Wood Jr. has been making us laugh for several years now, and some of his best work has been on Comedy Central's The Daily Show as a roving political correspondent. The only story that matters right now is the Popeye's chicken sandwich. Whoa, I'm, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, Popeye's, out the blue, introduced a chicken sandwich, a surprise attack on Chick-fil-A. It's like Pearl Harbor, but juicier. Wait, 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 wait. So your big story is that a chicken place mm -hmm. started selling chicken? But with bread, Trevor. <laughs> bread. See, I keep forgetting you're not from America. I gotta explain this to you. Roy's quick wit and storytelling skills led to a performance on one of his biggest stages yet, the 2023 White House Correspondents' Dinner. And the media, y'all did y'all's job. Y'all jumped on that story. As soon as the Trump document story broke, everybody was down to Mar-a-Lago. We were reporting live from the documents, and we're gonna find them. And then we found out Joe Biden had documents too, and it was like, oh, it's not a big deal. Not a big deal. Everybody got documents. Everybody got documents. Mike Pence has some documents. Oh, look, a Chinese spy balloon. Would you look at that? Ooh. Well done, media. I have to admit, I have been a Roy Wood Jr. fan for a long time. So when Roy visited Durham for a comedy show at the Carolina Theater, we got the chance to reconnect. Our families go way back. Roy Wood Jr., you know, my mama knew your mama well, and your mama knew my mama well. Your mama babysat me. I babysat you. Okay, that too. She didn't do anything. She just said, watch so, that boy. So she just passed me just, off on you. <laughs> <laughs> watch that little boy. You know, they were true partners in crime. You know that. I broke your brother's G.I. Joe hovercraft. What did he do to you? We're old enough now. He didn't. He was mad, as he should have been. Right. Because I was like four or five years old, and he was like nine or ten. And that's like sacred. He could have beat your butt. That's a sacred toy for a nine-year-old. I and know. I brought, and he, you know, he just a stern talking to behind closed doors. <laughs> just put it that way. He didn't lay hands, but. Uh, you know, he's a football player bully, kind of. That's yeah, how well, I saw my little brother. Well, he had linebacker energy at age nine. He did. I know. I know. <laughs> and um, and um, as we played, and I pretended to watch you, you know, our mothers, they could have had their own comedy show. I mean, I don't know if you realized how close they were. They were so close that because they met in Mississippi, you know, mm -hmm. like when your mom was in college, you know, and before coming to Florida that <laughs> your mom says that she learned how to sign my father's name <laughs> she could almost write his name as well as oh he was could. your father left was he left-handed as well he wasn't yeah. but your mother has a beautiful you know yeah, handwriting she's, calligraphy. she's very yeah she's, yeah, good, she's huh? that type and so what my mother used to make your mother do is like when my mother bought things like for the house or whatever she wanted she would make her sign my <laughs> father's <laughs> until they got caught you know well, my oh, dad. yeah, when the, when the credit card statement came they to finally, the house. They finally got caught, but that's the kind of stuff they would do. Okay. And, you know, I don't, I, I mentioned that because, you know, when you think of um, families and friends and somebody's got your back all the time, you know, I knew you, I know you grew up in the South, but you live in New York now, Roy, all the time. 
I mean, you're a homeowner in New York now. It's weird. I'm I know. still a Southerner. You're still a Southerner? I do not think that my chapters end in New York City. Okay. At some point, I'm back South. It's in, at the latest when my son leaves for college. Was he born in New York? No, he was he was born out west, but that was he, like he was born in that six month void of when I first got the Daily Show, but I wasn't sure if they were going to keep me, so I didn't want to move. I don't want to do the whole family move that early in the contract, right? So, you know, my son and his mother, they you know they they were out west, and then. Once I felt like I had solid footing, like, oh, I don't think they're going to fire me. <laughs> then, hey, come on to New York. But, you know, as far as he knows and his memories and his life, he is a New Yorker. And behaviorally, his personality, everything is New York about him. So how are you going to keep him honest? You know, Southern honest. You know, I know he has to go to Birmingham, Alabama to see yeah. Grandmama sometimes. And, you know, on his mother's side now, you know, you know, they got people in Wisconsin. They got people in Georgia. So he's gone fishing and swimming and done all of the southern bike riding. On it. When we go to Birmingham, I take him to a dirt bike track. He rides his bike around a dirt bike track. There's a proper BMX. He can roll like that already? Oh, he's good. Oh, my goodness. He's good. Uh, but, you know, I think that keeping him connected with nature and just regular people in, in the South, the I the concept of human contact, is still more deliberate. So something as simple as a handshake with eye contact, you know, you learn that more in the South than you do up North. So, you know, we're, we're keeping them a good behavioral balance. Good. And so when you're in New York and traveling all around, do you find yourself defending the South at all? Yeah. Um, I mean, Alabama especially, but Alabama is just a microcosm of what people think of the South to be. Um, I don't defend it all the time because, you know, there's just going to be people that think what they want to think and there's nothing you can do to change those people. But when there's a good, see, I told you so moment, then that's when I like step up. You know, a, a great example would be the Carly Russell, I didn't really get kidnapped fiasco mm. outside of Birmingham. Lies aside, White people and black people showed up to walk through the forest for a missing person. That ain't happening in New Jersey. I don't think. Now, I'm not from New Jersey. I'm not trying to offend anybody. But that the South, when you say the South is one thing, you also have to say what it is when there's times of unity and when people come together. Mm. Now, I was thinking about Montgomery and the riverboat captain. Even better. Even better example. I I was wondering if you're going to bring that up. Even better. Even better. A (laughs) bunch of strangers all came. New Yorkers would have walked past you. There's plenty of video of people getting stomped out on the subway and New Yorkers getting on and off the train like nothing's happening. So who do you get and where do you get your inspiration from? I guess from when you come back home and maybe get it from your son, definitely, these days. But um, who would you pay to go see? (laughs) Anyway. Ooh. Right now, um, Ali Sadiq is doing some next-level performance and storytelling mm. like no one has ever seen. 
love Ali Sadiq. I still love some more. I still believe that some more. I like some more a lot. One of the queens of comedy, you know, she, she taught sure. me how to hula hoop all over again. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm I'm shifting I'm shifting creatively into something that's a little bit more about fatherhood. Mm-hmm. So I want to start following those themes, and you know, this is kind of a transition year creatively for me, where I'm becoming more introspective with my creative instead of just worrying about what's happening around the world. If everyone already has two opinions on it, then I'm trying to find the third perspective that no one has considered. If I can find that third perspective on the thing, then I'm all in. Or it's the counter to the ideology that everybody, okay, well, I I don't know who to vote for, and none of these candidates are good. Yeah, okay, but have you considered Mike Pence? He... You know, he's very confident. I was about to say, I hope you have not tired of politics. Well, like, so, like, you, you take a guy like Mike Pence. Okay. And for me, the joke, the, it's, you know, it's easy to go love him or hate him, right? That's where everybody would go. For me, it's, yeah, but he has to win the votes of people who tried to kill him. So he's probably the most confident of all the candidates. So if I can make an observation like that, and then it gives me a way to get into politics, because... You know, especially with politics, oh my goodness, it can be very easy to fall into the, you know, the serve and volley aspects of a, of a topic and a conversation. Just go back and forth on the same copy points. And that doesn't excite me. Mm, you know, I wonder, I've been reading a little bit, a few articles about comedy, comedians, and just really, should they be going so far as to lie in some of their storytelling on stage. Yeah. And I thought about, I was like, well, how would you describe the type of lying that may go on in comedy and the lying that goes on in politics? It's it, they, they almost seem like they're the same at times. I think the difference between lying in comedy and lying in politics is that when a, if a comedian is lying to tell a story to make you feel something, it is usually to invoke a positive feeling. So you've given me money, and in return, I'm going to give you a feeling. Politicians give you a feeling, and in return, they give you nothing. And I think also the difference between a comedian and a politician is that politicians give hope. And that's one of the most dangerous lies that you can feed somebody. In comedy, it's gray a little bit. You know, it's like, okay, well, how much creative liberty are you allowed to take in exchange for the laugh? Do you think you've ever gone relative. too far or, you know, exploited a story a little too much? Because no. I, cause you have a degree in journalism. I mean, in many Which ways. That's why I'm a little different. I, I, that's what I like. Oh, and I like to put on the record that um, after I graduated from Florida a and University's journalism school and I left and... I was a journalism fellow at the University of Michigan, and then I kind of came back to Tallahassee for a little while to rest. And then I was forced to teach a journalism class, and I go to this class, and guess who is a student in my class? Ding, ding, ding. Roy Wood Jr. And then I said, oh, my goodness, this is ridiculous. And so instead of me thinking, well, I got me one, he's going to be that special smart student and he's going to do everything that I say and he's going to make sure that other students follow, Roy kind of said, this is how it's going to (laughs) go. He said, 
I'm going to come to class Monday through Thursdays, and I'm going to do extra work because I cannot come to class on Fridays because I'm on the road. I can't. You were like, I was like, I can't show this favoritism. But I did because you did extra work, and I, I knew. I was Dean's list. That I was, know. That was I one, know. That was that was the back half of my college life right. where I was like, oh, no, I have to graduate, so I got to be serious. I can't keep taking these. It's costing me money. Like, I looked at college as an expenditure. I understood the value of it later. But at that time, this is, oh, these are student loans. These are bills. I can't pay these off. So quick, I graduated. And I knew you had to work. So you would hit every little little, um, little town, Georgia, Florida. I don't know where you were going. I don't yeah. think your mama knew where you were going no, either. I didn't tell You her. were doing a lot of stand-up in places you were not old enough to be. I do know that. Or welcome. Or Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Just be real about but it. But now uh-huh. you're doing White House correspondence yeah. events. Come on. And, and, but see, like, and I guess for me with joke composition, like, there are, of course, comedians that will go to extremes to get a laugh, and they will tell a story that is for sure not true. Okay, fine. Part of the reason for me is that if the if the joke doesn't fit my actual timeline, I forget how to tell it. Because I'm not because to tell a good lie or to tell a story, you have to commit it. To, it has to become real to you. And I thought about this when the whole conversation about lying and comedy, and you know everybody was talking about that. I thought about okay, well, well, well damn, what do I do in my act? Did that happen? Did that happen? Was I doing that? Oh yeah, that did happen. And I and I remember the story that I told on Comedy Central's "This Is Not Happening." And it's still on YouTube to this day. I started working at Golden Corral, and there was a, I had a coworker who had gotten out of prison. And the only thing he talked about was not going back to prison. And so through him, I kind of started falling into a, all right, well, let's try this right way thing. Mm-hmm. Let's see how that go. He was kind to every customer, way more kind than he needed to be. I go on to talk about a particular customer who was always mean to me, but always nice to him. He was dismissive. Like, you go to serve him, he wouldn't even look up at you. Wouldn't do anything extra. Was wouldn't this a man of a different joke. race? Yeah, it was a white man, big muscle-bound dude. Would never speak to me, would never say thank you, would never leave a tip. But I was always nice to him because my man told me to be nice to him. And the story, I'm telling you a story as it was told on stage. So I get arrested for stealing jeans while I'm in Tallahassee. I go to jail, and while I'm in jail waiting to get bailed out, there's a guy in jail that wants to beat me up. He does not know me, but for whatever reason, this guy wants to beat me up. The guy who wants to beat me up turns to another person in the jail pod and goes, hey, this dude, don't you think I should beat, don't you think I should beat him up? And I looked up, and it was the guy I'd been nice to at Golden Corral. And he said, nah, man, he's cool. Now, the way that happened in real life was I met that customer at Shoney's when I was an employee at Shoney's a year prior to working at Golden Corral. Then at Golden Corral is where I went under the tutelage of the other coworker who put it, who Taught you to be nice. Taught me to be nice. I've already been nice enough to this dude over here at mm-hmm. Shonen's, but I didn't understand the lesson until it was retaught to me at Golden Corral. I combined those two timelines into a single story happening in a single place. 
everything that I said happened, happened, but not at Golden Corral, and chronologically not in that order. But I reorganized the chronology of it and the locations to tell something that was more cohesive and easier to follow. Mm -hmm. For me, that is not lying. But if you took that and wrote that as a journalism article, your editor would go, no, you can't say that that happened there because that's not where it happened. If a reporter wanted to get at me, a reporter could have easily pulled up the year I was arrested, then verified my time at Golden Corral and seen that there was a disparity between the two timelines. But there's no line that everything that I said happened, happened. You know, I just, I just think a lot of the general public won't care. This is the equivalent of reading the ingredients on the box. When you eat a product, and now comedy, they're flipping the box over and looking at the nutrition facts, and they're going, wait a minute, I didn't know this was in here. It's like, what do you care? You've been eating it. You've been, this is your favorite snack. And so that part of it is like, okay, well, I want all natural comedy. I don't want that red dye. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I know, and hopefully a lot of what you do and say, you think about your father who was a great, I think, civil rights journalist. I mean, my parents used to tell me about his commentaries, and um, I just wonder how does that play a role? You know, his one black man's opinion, I, I still remember. So I just wonder how do you, like you say, you're telling more stories about family. You have a little boy now, and um, still politics and you can't leave out race, and you can't leave out the South. So you got to mix mm -hmm. all that together and be the Roy Wood that we expect you to be. Yeah, I, I don't know. I You know, my father, I stopped short, short of saying a civil rights journalist, but he was a journalist who often discussed civil rights. civil rights. And he would have commentaries where he would just eviscerate things happening in the world, people, he did not pull punches. Once I got my learner's permit, I used to drive my dad to his speaking engagements. So I would just be in the car with him while we would go down to Alabama State. He, he did a radio show every Saturday in Montgomery, and I would drive him to it. And I'd just sit in the studio and just listen. And he would take calls and talk to people about everything that's gone, just really connected to the community. I think that part of, of him I am. He definitely had more of a fire and the ability to verbally counterpunch the establishment that I don't think I possess. You know, my father is a punch to the face. I am a million razor blades. You know, just slit, slit, slit. There's a joke, and then I slice you. There's another joke, slice you again. My dad had no punchlines. <laughs> he didn't have time. That was a slow no, death. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Well, Roy Wood Jr., thank you so much for being here, for um, being smart, for um, being a good dad, staying <laughs> astute when it comes to politics especially, and for being my friend. Thank you. Thank you. I miss you. I miss you, too. Tell your brother I'm sorry about that G.I. Joe. Oh, my God. Comedian Roy Wood Jr., as funny as he is, recently announced he would not be returning to The Daily Show on Comedy Central. His biggest stage this year, headliner at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. <laughs>